Welcome to Expounded Universe, Episode 1, your hosts, Jeff and John, the novel, Shadows of the Empire, by Steve Perry, the year, 1996, chapters 1 through 3, let's go. Who gave that dog a crossbow and two bachelor's degrees? <laughs> Pulls everyone cheese on, I don't know why. <laughs> That's Vader, <laughs> the world's greatest power top. Take a look at these meat bags. Welcome to Expounded Universe, the new show by Jeff and John. Oh my goodness. I can't I can't tell you how excited I am to get into this. Oh man, you have been just champing at the bit this whole time. It's been like six months since we planned this. Oh, I Literally know. it's been six months because it was inspired by a, br- or a Christmas present for my brother. Yep. So... So thanks, Dave, and uh, here you are. It's finally happening. There you go. We're we're finally doing it. <laughs> we're really doing it. Oh man. Oh, it's happening. Dot gif. So I'm Jeff. That's John over there. Yep. Uh, if you are new to what we do, that's weird. Uh, yeah. Well, we, welcome to it. We uh, we're the hosts of System Mastery, Movie Mastery, various podcasts where we make fun of old things, and this is no exception. Yep, here we are, but now we're we're getting into that Star Wars cash cow. Yeah, yeah, the big money maker we're going to do with that this cash bantha. <laughs> this free podcast is going to be a a huge money draw for us somehow. Oh, hell yeah! I think it's just a dump truck situation. Like you make a pod a Star Wars podcast thing, and then and then you have to live in a dump truck. Yeah, yeah, you, you have to drive a dump truck. <laughs> also, you have to be someone's butler. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rules, man. Stupid Mississippi legal system. <laughs> So, the idea behind Expounded Universe, which is our new show, is that there is a wealth in the universe of terrible Star Wars actually published and for real sold in stores uh, fiction. Yeah, and up until very recently was like a canon part of the universe. Yeah, until the most recent trilogy when when, uh, Disney bought uh, the Star Wars license for billions of dollars from George Lucas, uh, they stripped the canon value from a lot of these books so what had been the expanded universe of star wars where all these things were official uh became what they are now calling the star wars legends yeah just fun stories about what ha- what, what might have been uh, but i remember back when in, in the uh early 2000s when there were actually like newspaper articles about shit that happened in these books huh. like there was an episode there was one of these books where chewbacca dies yeah and I mean, spoiler alert! It, it made the news. It made the news that they were like, "Well, they're finally killing off Chewbacca and them their Star Wars books." Oh boy! Yeah. So, in any event, uh, the neat thing about the expanded universe is that this was for a long time the only Star Wars media you could really get. Uh, it, basically, in the early ni- late eighties, early nineties, kind of as Star Wars sort of petered out, these books came to pr- uh, power, and they sort of told the story of what happened to Luke and Leia and Han after Return of the Jedi. Well, yeah, I mean, up until this point, you had just had uh, the the movies. I mean, there were some comic books that they put out. But if you were really desperate to dig into the world of Star Wars, your only real outlet was these incredibly <laughs> shitty books. So... There's a long history of these books. The first one is generally considered to be the Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which came out between episodes uh, four and five. It was published sometime in like late 1977 or something, and uh, it's it's real weird. It's not what we're reading today, but it's real weird because it doesn't know. The author of the book had no idea that Luke and Leia were brother and sister, <laughs> so it kind of pushes their romance along a little bit. 
Also, it has Darth Vader straight up make an improv-style energy ball and throw that at Luke. <laughs> so it's got uh. it's got some great stuff in it. And then, you know, the, more books like that came out immediately after Star Wars. There were some stories about young Han Solo that came out that are great novels. Uh, and then eventually it blossomed thanks to an author named Timothy Zahn who wrote a series called, I think, Heir to the Empire, which is uh, where the characters like Mara Jade, the right hand of the Emperor, and uh, you know Grand Admiral Thrawn and General Peleon and so on were all introduced. These characters that have become kind of part of the Star Wars universe. Like, Thrawn is actually canon again. Well, yeah, they they brought him back. Yeah, they man- he managed to be so popular in these old books that they actually shoved him back into the currently canon comic series. Yeah. So... So that, and from uh, Timothy Zahn's books, it basically exploded. There was a whole universe of Star Wars fiction happening. Uh, there were books that were specifically for children. There were books that were adapted from the old comic series. There is, this is no bullshit, there are two three-eyed clones of the Emperor. Yeah. There's both Triclops and Trioculus. <laughs> this is, okay, so one of the best things about the premise of the show is I know a little bit about Star Wars expanded universe you, fiction. You, as a kid, read this shit. You read that. Yeah. And you uh, you actually have a fairly decent number of these books under your belt. I do. I've read a ton of these books. I don't own them anymore, but I, I uh, also I'll have to go through and buy them as we go. But uh, but I did read a ton of these, and I, I had enough to I read enough to have a taste for certain authors and a distaste for others. For example, I thought Timothy Zahn was like the height of, of quality writing, and I still kind of think that. Uh, ah, but the guy who came right after him was this fellow by the name of Kevin J. Anderson who you'd probably know, because I'm guessing that while you didn't read a lot of Star Wars fan fiction, you probably read some X-Files fan fiction. Nah, nah, man. No? You didn't read any fan fiction at all, did you? No, you didn't never. Read this. The only thing I ever read that was even remotely like that was one crossover book of the X-Men and Star Trek oh, The Next Generation. Fair enough. Well, Kevin J. Anderson is sort of a, a shotgun writer. He'll write fan fiction for anyone and then get it published. So he wrote a bunch of terrible Star Wars books, a bunch of terrible X-Files books. He's the one. He's the reason why Dune is so bad now. <laughs> well, I mean, granted, also Dune is bad now because... As far as I can tell, there must have been lead in Frank Herbert's house, because he goes increasingly crazy throughout the course of those novels. And then his son is just fucking bonkers. So, you know, yeah. he got that going for him. But Kevin J. Anderson wrote a lot of those. He wrote, like, the Butlerian Jihad and so on. So he's just, just this hack author. But again, not what we're doing today. Today we're going to be covering probably one of the larger books, because it had a long media push associated with it. This came out in 1996, so just a, a year before the... Uh, Oh God! What do they even call that? The the special editions. Remember that when they did the spe- the yeah, Star Wars the special editions? Yeah, the re-release in theaters where they added a whole bunch of dumb CGI to them. Yeah, and it was clear they weren't ready to do it, so they had to have like Han's stand on Jabba the Hut. Yeah, <laughs> and they added that ska number to the to Jabba's palace. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's good times. So, so uh, right before these ca- those came out, uh, our book today. Shadows of the Empire was launched in a blaze of media stuff. There was action figures and a video game. Oh, yeah. Now, I never got into any of the Star Wars stuff. Like, I watched the original trilogy, and I was like, yeah, good job. That's a cool movies you've got there. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm pleased with that. And then I did not give a fuck thereon. Like, I know a lot of people, it was very formative, and they got super into the expanded universe, very into the lore. They super loved it. I basically was just like, hey, another sci-fi thing. That's cool. Thumbs up. But I did play 
the Shadows of the Empire video game for the Nintendo 64. Yeah, which had a really good first level and then kind of fell apart after that. Oh, yeah. Man, I I spent many a uh, placid afternoon sitting there in front of my TV playing Shadows of the Empire, listening to the Space Jam soundtrack. <laughs> God. What it a- was a simpler time. <laughs> it, was the, it was the mid-90s. <laughs> Later, I'd go outside and get an Orbitz beverage. <laughs> Perhaps a Yosta with Quarana. Oh, man. That was, uh, that was a simpler time. It was yeah. good times for everyone. So so this book launched with uh, comic book tie-ins, uh, action figure tie-ins, including the main character, Prince Shizor, uh, and I believe there were at least one. Oh, uh, it was, let's see, eventually in this book, Princess Leia is going to put on that uh, that bounty hunter outfit. You know the one that you see the, in you the do, movies. In the movie, the one that she like has when she goes rescues Han from from uh, Jabba's palace. So that that action figure came out with this. Also, Chewbacca with a buzz cut and GI Joe armor. <laughs> I don't remember who he's supposed to be dressed up as, but he was like secretly dressed up as some other bounty hunter so he could hang out with Leia in disguise. I'm a Wookiee dressed as some other Wookiee. <laughs> no a, one knows. I'm you a different know. Wookiee. I'm the only Wookiee in the world with a high top fade. <laughs> <laughs> I am the play of Wookiees. Or is it the kid? I forget. Uh, I think it's the kid? <laughs> yeah, he's Wookiee the kid. He's Wookiee the kid. Oh, and of course, Dash Rendar. Yeah. Uh, Dash Rendar, also the character you play as a lot in the video game. He is Han Solo if Han Solo was Cable, basically. <laughs> In terms of what he looks like, he's got them 80s cable shoulder pads going on. Yeah, it's good stuff. It is super good stuff. So what we're going to be doing over the course of this show is, at least to start, Shadows of the Empire a couple chapters at a time so we can discuss in depth the things that happen in this book. We want to talk about every little detail. We want to talk about that Prince Shizor. We are we are diving directly into this book. We're going to take this a lot deeper than we do with our system mastery uh, RPG reviews because we're going to go. We're going to take it slow. We never do anything nice and easy. <laughs> so we're going to start this off nice and easy, easy, and then we're going to end it nice and rough. <laughs> Who knows how it'll end. So uh, let's take it. Let's take it from here. Let's start about the first three chapters of Shadows of the Empire. Well, it starts out with a prologue that let me just begin by saying, having never read any of these mm. and having basically zero recollection of what the video game was about beyond there was some level where I was shooting at Slave One. Yes, because Boba Fett's really important to this story. Yeah, yeah. So that's all I remember of that. But the fact that it starts out with. Shizor just sort of inserting himself into the world. Oh my god, yeah. He's because the opening chapter is Shizor hanging around with the Emperor when the Emperor makes the I think it's the the end of Empire Strikes Back hollow phone call to Darth Vader. Well, it it's the what is your bidding, my master call. Yes. And so he's just hanging out there. He's just hiding in the background. Like the the emperor doesn't go like, "By the way, you're on speaker. I have this lizard man." <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so weird because it presents that famous scene from the movie and then it, it like in my mind, I'm just having like a CGI version of him just duck his head in from the corner like whoop hello <laughs> just wink at the camera <laughs> also Shizor's here hi everyone I'm here too <laughs> goodbye so so yeah that scene is introduced to let us know that Shizor is friends with the emperor sort of and that he is going to watch that whole conversation from the emperor's side he had been at a meeting with the emperor when Vader called yeah which 
I guess, is a thing that he would just be like, oh, hold on, I gotta take this. I have to take this. Let it's... me put it up on the big hollow screen. It's Vader. He thinks he's people. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is an aluminum falcon? It's gonna be really hard to not make robot chicken jokes throughout the court, because there's a lot of... The first three chapters have a reasonable amount of old Sheev Palpatine in them. <laughs> did you know that's his first name, by the I, way? I did. That's one of the things about Star Wars you knew already? I, I did only because of Twitter. Okay, well... So, so Papa Palpatine is, is, has the exact same conversation with Vader that he always has. What's happening instead is that Prince Shizor, who we'll describe at detail in just a second, is also there, and uh, he is way overanalyzing the conversation. He is just smug-fucking his way through this. Yeah. He's playing that three-dimensional chess shit from TNG at all times, is Prince Shizor. Yeah, Shizor is doing that, like, crazy... I'm a Lex Luthor type that's just like, oh my goodness, I've got wheels within wheels and all of my machinations have machinations and all goes according to plan. He's just fezzig. He's just like, well, clearly Vader must not know that the goblin in front of him is Luke Skywalker. <laughs> that's what he's, the whole time, he's, is that fezzig? Am I right? I, no. I forget. No, that's just the Sicilian, isn't it? No. You don't know. Fezzig is the, the giant. Oh, okay. Well, then what's the Sicilian? Uh... Uh, Vicini. Vicini, thank you. Oh, gosh. I'm way better at Star Wars than I am at Princess Bride. Yeah, there you go. So. If, you, if you want to start a Princess Bride podcast, let me know. <laughs> you know, I kind of do. <laughs> you know, fuck this. Hey, never mind, guys. Welcome to the Princess Bridecast, <laughs> where we watch Princess Bride over and over and over and over again. <laughs> yep. We're just going to watch it every week for a year. <laughs> it's what the people wanted. And you know what we said when we heard what the people wanted? <laughs> yeah. What did we say, John? Uh, sure, let's do it. That's not what, god damn it. As you want. <laughs> As you would like. <laughs> if you would please do. Per, per your request. <laughs> That's Wesley's secretary. <laughs> uh, so, From the desk of Wesley? <laughs> so, so anyway, Shizor is watching Vader talk, talk to the Emperor, and he's like, at this point, the first thing we learned about Shizor is apparently his superpower is that he's seen Return of the Jedi. His superpower is that he knows shit that basically no one else knows. Yes. So he's, he's like, oh, by the set of his jaw when he said that, I know that he won't kill that boy. He'll try to save the boy. Well, he apparently knows that Vader is Anakin Skywalker, yes. which is That's weird because it yeah. seems like no one else in the universe knows that. Yeah, but he... We're sp he's supposed to be set up as like some sort of ultimate information broker, so that's the world's best information. The galaxy's best information is that Vader used to be Skywalker, and he knows. Yeah, it's basically just him and Obi Wan are the only people that know that shit. Yeah, so right off the bat, he's like he's looking for a boy named Skywalker, but Vader used to be Skywalker. Hmm. That's I, I guess that establishes that Skywalker is a rare name in the galaxy. Yeah, Skywalker is not the Smith of Star Wars. <laughs> that's, that's a good thing to know. I so, because if he was like, he's looking for a Skywalker. Well, at least we know he's probably like Dutch or Irish then. <laughs> <laughs> that, this narrows it down a little bit, but God, I, I mean, I hit a Skywalker on my way here. <laughs> God, every time I try to go to the street festivals, some Skywalker is trying to sell me a doodad. <laughs> he's just racist, racist against Skywalkers. <laughs> That's all it is. Uh, so... He knows, he basically just kind of goes, Vader won't kill Luke, and the Emperor doesn't know, but I know. Oh. Also, the Vader doesn't like the Emperor, and he's plotting against him, and the Emperor doesn't know, but I know. 
I'm Prince Shizor. Yeah. We also get the first introduction of what might as well be the drinking game for this book, <laughs> which is uh, anytime Shizor is mentioned as reptilian, not mammalian, oh. such is colder, such is better. You should take a shot and then you'll die. Yep. The This book's weird obsession with that, and it's always Shizor who is thinking this. Like, yes. it's not even... The book writing out like, and she is or is reptilian, so that he, no, it's his inner monologue is, ah, yes, I come from a reptilian breed instead of these mammals. And I have to wonder, is this a thing in Star Wars where like badger men are like, I come from a badger breed and I'm much better than those reptile people, (laughs) badgers. So the, so the drawl from, you don't know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. I just picked a species out of random. (laughs) The drawl from Corellia are basically badger people. You can keep doing this all day. There's, there's, there's something for everything. I mean, granted, if you just wanted to stick to the movies, you could be like, is Admiral Ackbar just wandering around going, stupid mammals, fish people are the best. (laughs) Yeah. Is that is that everyone? Is every race just their inner monologue is fucking these guys aren't yeah. the same as me? <laughs> I come from a land down under. Water, that is. It's better. Down where it's water. It's a trap. A lobster trap. And I set it in my home, which is better than a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's him. He's just basically uh Shizor is just on a constant internal racist rant. Against every single other species, except, I guess, Trandoshans. I guess. Yeah, he's probably pretty cool with Bosk. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, Bosk, look at you. You're all kinds of reptilian like me. Such is better. But you're not as sexy as I am. (laughs) God. So, anyway, that's our introduction to Prince Shizor, and also the setup for when this this book is taking place. Yeah. So, if it's not readily apparent, this book takes place between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It's been a few months since Han was hauled off by Boba Fett in Carbonite. Yes. That is that is what we know. Those are the things we know. We also and know we, that- we know that specifically because in chapter one it just starts with a flashback to that scene of where he gets frozen. <laughs> so chapter one is literally three flashbacks. Yep. It's just three characters having flat well, I guess the prologue is the first of the three, but the rest of chapter one is just two more flashbacks. Yeah, it's, it's Princess Leia having a flashback to the Carbonite sequence. And then you have Luke Skywalker doing some high wire walking, trying to be one with the Force. But the whole thing is a flashback to the Dagobah him and cave. Dagobah doing the whole, I'm going to kill my Vader, and then it's me under the mask, and oh, what a twist. Yeah, so we're basically <laughs> we're basically just setting up when this takes place. But boy, to set it up, we have to ha- set the scene that, that Leia is in her wet night garments, <laughs> which... Ew. Well, I mean, they they come pre-wetted. <laughs> they come they come pre-moistened uh, for Leia's convenience. Yeah. <laughs> these moistened night garments shall keep you cool in these Tatooine nights. <laughs> so, basically, she has a horrible vision of the carbonite freezing sequence, and Han is described as big and stoic when he, when he does the famous I know line. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because I've always read that line as Han being kind of an asshole and her kind of enjoying that he's kind of an asshole. Huh. But no, apparently he's saying I know because big strong men don't say I love you. Yeah. They just go, I know. I acknowledge your womanly feelings. <laughs> I I reciprocate in my own way. <laughs> I I can't say those words. Football games on. <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry. I wish to retain testicles, so I may not say those words. <laughs> the guys are watching. <laughs> 
Aw, <laughs> come on. I'm on the phone in front of the guys. <laughs> I'm about to be frozen in carbonite. Don't make me say it. <sighs> okay, okay, fine. I love you. <laughs> I know. Okay, bye. <laughs> so, so she has that, and then she's like, well, I'll get my revenge. I'll get my revenge on them all in my wet underwear in the hot tattoo nights. <laughs> I won't cry. Never again. I'll get revenge. <laughs> yeah. And then Luke. Luke, who, instead of going back to Dagobah, I mean, we know he didn't, because he doesn't. He goes back to Dagobah at the start of Return. Yeah. But in, he what he does after this is apparently go slum around at Ben Kenobi's house. He's just dicking around at Ben's house. Just like doing squatters' rights, I guess. <laughs> just doing lesser Jedi stuff. So he's hanging around at Ben's house. He's he's got a tightrope between two of them famous Tatooine cliffs, and he's gonna tightrope walk, but he can't because he keeps getting tormented by memories and the dark side, which in this book appears to be like a little brother that keeps poking at you, <laughs> poking at you, poking at you. <laughs> yeah, it keeps Paula Poundstoning you because <laughs> uh, he's just like, I'll push it away. I'm the dark side. Hey, you're angry at Vader. <laughs> Uh, He's like, I am angry at Vader. So angry at Vader. No, 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 I'm not angry at Vader. Uh, That's basically what he's up to while he tightrope walks and thinks about old Ben. Old Ben. Also, he learns right away that Ben Kenobi's house had not been ransacked while he was gone. Yeah. Uh, It's been months. It's been almost a year since Ben Kenobi has left, but his house is fine, even though it is an open-to-the-elements cave in the the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, but the only people that would go in there are the sand people and... You know, he was keeping them he, away with his cool force noises. Well, yeah, he they were like, oh, they they believe this place is haunted or whatever the fuck. So they don't go in there. Sure, sure. Even though there's tasty food and stuff in there. He's they clearly left. They don't know. <laughs> Maybe that. they sent him an email. Hey, man, you there? <laughs> hey, bro, you, you up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they sent him a they sent him a hookup text. <laughs> uh, yeah, and hey. he just sent back new phone. Who dis? <laughs> you up? <laughs> in, in 15 <laughs> hey Tuscan Raiders come on over I, I can't I am raiding my parents aren't home <laughs> uh, my house isn't haunted anymore <laughs> uh, come check out my crate dragon <laughs> hey now <laughs> Ooh. Uh, so basically he finds in Ben Kenobi's house or Obi-Wan's house he's got uh, a leather bound volume Mm-hmm. with instructions on Jedi stuff, including how to build Babby's first lightsaber. Yeah, he basically finds being a Jedi for dummies and starts to flip through it. Yes, and I guess there's some instructions in there on how you should tightrope walk. Meanwhile, uh, we... <laughs> Meanwhile? Back in Tatooine, we really have to... No, I guess we should start with what's up with Shizor in Chapter 1, huh? Uh, the story of the chair. It is the best thing. Because we have these flashbacks, and you're like, okay... We're doing Star Wars stuff, and Shizor is the villain, so it means we're probably just going to occasionally jump to him or whatever, but no. No, he's the star of this book. Yeah. Like, we get uh, maybe a couple pages of Luke and Leia, but then it goes to Shizor and his famous talking chair. So, Shizor, who apparently lives in Pee-wee's Playhouse. Yeah. (laughs) He lives in... The house he lives in is amazing. The house he lives in is what like a 17-year-old would have built for himself had he unlimited means. It is basically the movie Blank Check starring a big lizard guy. <laughs> yes. So first of all, he has the entire galaxy painted on his ceiling in glow-in-the-dark paint. 
Because <laughs> that's the coolest thing in the world. Not like, for example, just a big window up there. But no, a regular ceiling with glow-in-the-dark stars on it. Oh, sweet. Like, and I've got a race car bed. I know. Glow-in-the-dark stars are what your little brother put on the top of the bottom bunk. <laughs> <laughs> now I can dream big. <laughs> so, so he's got that. He has a chair that has... Siri installed in it, more for for better or worse. Yeah, he has an auto adjust chair that's like, oh, if I change positions, the chair changes the support it gives me because I have to be ultra comfortable. Oh yeah, but I'm like, okay, that's at least semi interesting that you'd be like, I'm so rich, I can get a chair that adjusts to me, mm-hmm. but it apparently also talks to him. Yeah. So here's the thing about Shizor. We might as well go through the description of what he is at this point. Shizor is a faline, which is described as a giant lizardy man. They're like seven feet tall. Yeah, he's a giant green-skinned human, essentially. Effectively, yeah. He's got slightly longer, sharper fingers, uh, but otherwise he basically just looks like green Telly Savalas with a top knot. <laughs> yeah. Like, for the most part. That's basically what we're describing here. He looks like Lex Luthor if Lex Luthor was green, had weird fingers, and had the, the bad guy haircut of the early 90s. And liked the smell of his farts even more. Yes, way more. Like, I'm, I'm not kidding about the, the haircut of the 90s. Like, half the X-Men villains at that time had the nothing but the shaved but a top knot. I mean, we're talking, it's the Goro. <laughs> He's got the Goro. Yeah, you can also just point forearms. to <laughs> He also has forearms. I forgot to mention that earlier. <laughs> but Minor no. note. He's, he's green with the Goro haircut, and uh, he is Faline, which is reptile, not mammal. Much colder, much more calculating. Uh, also described, uh, not by him, but by the narrator of the book, as the, the most attractive of all the races. Yeah, it's, it is the Faline are considered to be the most uh, appealing to look at of all of these races. So Big green guys. Yeah, I guess apparently humans see a seven-foot-tall green guy and they're like, man, I got to get me a piece of that. Oh, I need some of that action. <laughs> Let's... So that's how that's described. Uh, they also constantly exude sex pheromones all the time, so that women of every species are always attracted to them. Yeah, the the human stock find me irresistible. So if this guy is starting to sound like he's the cover story of Internet Tough Guy magazine, that that is correct. Yeah, if you, if you are just imagining the the martiest of stews, uh huh. Yep, that's pretty much it. He is. You know, there's no way we're going to get through this series without discussing the terms Mary Sue and Marty Stew and what have you. Uh, unlike most people on the internet, I'm not a huge proponent of the Ray is a Mary Sue uh, theory. This guy is 100% a Marty Stew. Yeah, he this is, is just, what they look like. He he keeps being compared to other things and then being like, but I'm much better. Yes. I'm the cool version of whatever. Yeah. I have my bodyguard speaks six languages each. They're different languages. I know 14 martial arts. I have a sex assassin droid that I don't even need to have sex with because there's hot ladies instead. Yeah. That's 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 his life. Just wandering from scene to scene of pure indulgence and instance. Yeah, every time for these three chapters that it goes to Shizor, and it does a lot, it is a scene that is set by him telling you how much he is awesome. Yes. That's all it is. It's- and... Specifically, we we're bringing up the chair in this one, not because it is a uh, an example of his stupid squandering of money on dumb things he doesn't need, mm-hmm. but because his name is spelled like X I Z O R. That is correct. And so, because they 
So the Chisel, writer, right? Yeah, the, the writer wasn't sure how people were going to read that. He's like, oh, you could say like, oh, what is that, Zizor? It's probably Zizor. It's like xylophone. Yeah. Or but, maybe it's Mexican, so it's like uh, like he's a Chisor. 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 No. So the chair has to be malfunctioning so that it calls him Chisor. Yes. So he's described as a ruthless perfectionist who surrounds himself with only the best but he has a broken chair that he hasn't fixed yet, and he isn't sure why. Yeah, I love that he needed this excuse to get the pronunciation in there, but it just breaks character completely because he's like, oh, this chair's been malfunctioning for a while. I don't know why I haven't fixed it. It is 100% in my character that that would never happen. Yes, anyway, I, would, I would not have allowed a broken chair to get anywhere near me. I would have killed the guy who built it. I would have had a whole story about how I killed him and his family for providing me with a chair that mispronounces my name. But instead, he sits down in his stupid talking chair. It misinterprets him leaning back as a as a desire that he might want something and goes, what is your bidding, Prince? She's or Wesley. <laughs> Calls everyone she's or. I don't know why. <laughs> That's what's happened. It's not even his name. It's just the chair calls everyone she's or. Uh. <laughs> and here's the thing. If an, if an Alexa or a Siri or something accidentally picks up a voice command and goes like, what is your bidding, my master? Because you've, I don't know, messed with it. Then then you can just go, you know, cancel or, you know, just off. say <laughs> off or something like that. But he says, in I think maybe his first spoken line, he goes, nothing, save that you remain silent. And the chair's like, yeah, okay. Sure. Way to, way to purple it up. <laughs> I am a chair. I do not care what you are saying right now. You also could have said nothing because you're not talking to an underling. You're talking to a fucking calculator in your chair. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. This is full droid AI. He is basically sitting on Cherry from Pee-wee's Playhouse. <laughs> fucking his sex droid may as well be named Conky, and he has a secret word that he's going to yell every time he hears. Reptile. <laughs> <laughs> So so his his stupid broken chair. What the fuck does a chair even do for you? The part where it's like, oh, it's always adjusting itself, so he's always ultra comfortable is fine. But what's I mean, what's he do with it otherwise? Like send in a drink. I like having my chair order my drinks, even though I'm seated at my desk yeah. with like my phone and shit. I mean, you'd think on his little desk there, there'd be a button where his receptionist, he could just be like, hey, get me whatever. But yeah. no, he's like, I've got to have this chair that talks to me. It's got to be in my chair, because what if I scoot around a lot? You know, <laughs> what, I, what I, if I put in a little motor and some wheels and I turn it into a rascal? <laughs> I like to scoot. I'll admit it. It's a reptile thing. Much colder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like to take this out and put it on a rock in the sun and bask. <laughs> so, so he's got a broken chair so that we can learn that his name is pronounced with a soft X. There you go. So it's it might as well be spelled S H E Z O R, but Shizor. But no, it's got to be <laughs> Kizor or whatever. However the heck you would pronounce that. Kizor. Kizor. <laughs> so now we start meeting some side characters because Shizor isn't just hanging around in his room alone. He is watching a hollow video with his assassin droid Guri, and Guri is <laughs> a sex bot. Like, let's just be straight up honest right now. Yeah. It is a sex bot that can also kill people. So she is described as an assassin droid, so in the famous vein of characters such as IG-88 or HK-47, uh, except that instead of being a rad droid, she is a sexy lady who has droid inside of her. Yeah, and then she's like, take a look at these meat bags. Look at... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm on board with that gag. I made a Star Wars gag. <laughs> you did. <laughs> 
I was queuing up a meatbag joke, and I like that one better. <laughs> but th- she's described as being like the world's finest assassin, but also capable of, and, and again, I'm going to go ahead and throw up the air quotes here, doing soft, secret woman things. <laughs> Oh, good lord. There's also a scene where she turns to leave, and it's not because her character needs to leave the room. In fact, she doesn't. It's so that we can have the... Shizor describe that she also looks great from the back. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. he Like, Shizor straight up like, I hate to see you go, but I love to watch you leave. <laughs> Look at them two hams stuffed down the back of her robo-pants. <laughs> so, so Oh, uh, yeah. No, this- I, I have to imagine that he found this in some, like, space junk store. He's like... Oh jeez, this I think I should get a souvenir. I think this assassin droid looks it looks neat. All right, I'll take the broken talking chair and the sex droid for my nephew. <laughs> so All right. So Guri has brought him a hollow video to watch. Oh, I also wanted to mention that Guri is mentioned as costing 18 million credits. Good. So that doesn't matter. Well, it's interesting because there's not a lot of times where credits are mentioned in the movies as being anything. In fact, the only one I can think of off the top of my head is the price of an emergency lift from Tatooine to, uh, to what is it, uh, Alderaan? Yeah. A secret run from Tatooine to Alderaan in the Millennium Falcon, which cost 50000 Yes. It was, and that's the only time we really hear money mentioned. Like, the other times there's money, it's just like Leia angrily giving briefcases full of cash to Han, <laughs> uh, which I guess they really look more like toolboxes or something. Uh, but... So this thing costs like what nearly eighteen hundred and eighty times as much yeah. as that flight did. So uh-huh. this is a this is a very expensive robo droid. Yeah, I mean, I would think it would cost more, but who knows? Well, it's the first droid in history that you can fuck. <laughs> so, Probably not. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Let's here. be clear. You could fuck C three PO if you wanted. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh, how tender! <laughs> We're doomed. <laughs> Not like this. Not like this. Ah, <laughs> to save me. <laughs> oh, they're all dead. Or at least they should get tested. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Master Luke. There is something I need to tell you. <laughs> Have you been tested recently? <laughs> so, so Gurry has brought him a... <laughs> has brought him a hollow video to watch, and... I, I want to spend the entire rest of the podcast talking about this hollow video because it is a G.I. Joe moment. It is st- straight up G.I. <laughs> Joe. So he is watching this video of two Asian Star Wars ma- martial arts ladies beating up a, a bar full of stormtroopers. Hey, now, they're not Asian. They're yeah. epicanthics. So that's what I wanted to get to. They're not called Asian. In the book, they are called epicanthics. Because that's a race in Star Wars. It's, well, it's, it's a... Not a race. It's it's a, a, a upbringing or a or nationality in Star Wars. They are human, but they are epicanthics humans. Yeah, and that's epicanthics with an X. And they have double folds. I almost yeah, they have. To, yeah. I looked it up. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the few homework bits I did was look up what an epicanthics was. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just so old fashioned racist. Yep. So they because they're martial artists, so they have to be Asian. But Asian doesn't make sense in a Star Wars context because there's no Asia. So let's just describe well, how let's they have get Planet folds. Asia. Let's get Planet Asia, and then from Planet Asia steps forth the Epicanthics. <laughs> and unfortunately, there isn't a broken chair that pronou- tells us how to pronounce the X at the end of Epicanthics. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. I mean, Epicanthish. I mean, here's the thing that I'm at least thankful for. Later on in this book, Lando is introduced, and he is not called a Negrix. That that, <laughs> that doesn't come up. Yeah, because that's basically where this book is going. That is that. Was, I was like, oh god, because it keeps describing how he has white teeth against a dark skin background over and over again. Yeah. Oh, look at that half moon smile. Like, ugh. ugh. 
God what damn is, you. What is happening? So, anyway, the Epicanthics ladies are beating up a bunch of stormtroopers, and Guri says, oh, they're the world's greatest masters of Teras Kazi, which is a video, another video game, by the way. Star Wars Masters of Teras Kazi is the fighting game for the PlayStation. Good. It's extremely bad. <laughs> <laughs> But these two are the masters of Bund-style Teras Kazi. They are genetically identical perfect twins. Their names are Zan and Zu. One of them has green eyes. The other has one green and one blue eye. And that's the only way to tell them apart. But all the, I mean, of all the only ways to tell them apart, that's a pretty obvious that's one. That's a pretty good one. It wouldn't be like, well, one of them has a mole on the inside of her armpit. Yeah. <laughs> but... So, these two ladies are, are perfect genetic match identical twins who are super martial artists. Also, if you get their skin wet, their battle camouflage appears. <laughs> also, one of them can take the form of an animal, and one of them can take the form of water. Or it's just twin fetishism, and, and later on, uh, uh, Andrew Dice Clay is going to come along and score with both of them. Come on! Ooh, hey! <laughs> twins! <laughs> But uh, she's like, they, they haven't ever worked for Black Sun before, Master Shizor. Because Black Sun is what he is. He's the leader of the Black Sun criminal organization, the Space Mafia. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, good, good. Bring them to me so that we can use them for martial arts super purposes and so that I can ogle their boobies. Also, I love that the example for how they are badass is because... Oh, what they do for fun is beat up stormtroopers. They beat eight stormtroopers up. But that's his. The fact that his response wasn't, "Oh, you know, everyone in this galaxy beats up stormtroopers for fun." That's the national pastime of Tatooine, right? I was like, "Oh, good. <laughs> They're beating up stormtroopers. I'm sure that's an, an amazing accomplishment. Good on you for beating up a couple of stormtroopers." <laughs> uh, sir, <laughs> oh, sir. Sir, I just got beat up by two ladies, sir. Sir, Aww. sir, this Ewok is beating me up, sir. <laughs> sir, this protocol droid just called me a nerd. <laughs> I don't like you. Aw, oh, sir, he doesn't like me. <laughs> I don't like you either, poop dude. <laughs> oh, sir, he called me poop dude. <laughs> Shut up, poop dude. <laughs> sir, sorry, he, he drew a dick right on my helmet. I was I was wearing the armor, sir. <laughs> I was I was in the armor when he drew the dick. <laughs> Captain, yeah. Captain, <laughs> sir, I should be allowed to not go on this mission. I have a note from my doctor. Let me see that. This is signed Stormtrooper's dad. <laughs> <laughs> sir, I have bad asthma. I can't really be in Tatooine right now. You sound fine to me. Uh. <laughs> oh, very well. You may go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you <Sir>. scam. <laughs> sir. I love the idea of just the horrible nerd stormtroopers. <laughs> just some long arm guy holding him at arm's length, just swinging both arms as hard. Ah, come on. I'm going to tell Sir. <laughs> sir, those jizz whalers just took all of my lunch money. <laughs> you were beaten up by Bith? They're like four feet tall. Aww. <laughs> What's your number? <laughs> it's one lower. Oh, <laughs> so, so yeah, they're they're beating up stormtroopers for sir for fun, <laughs> sir. So he 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 works to he works to have them hired. He's like, bring them to me. Well, I want to ogle how Asian. I'm sorry, epicanthics they are. Ugh. Anyway, Guri, you can go to work now. And she turns to leave, and he's like, "Don't worry, fellas. She's got a sweet can too." In case you were wondering, her robo butt is phenomenal. <laughs> At this point, I was picturing her as Miranda from Mass Effect. Huh. <laughs> Shepard, I'm genetically perfect. There are so many polygons in my taint. 
<laughs> God, if only that were a line. <laughs> and that just turns this fucking th- this guy into Thane too. That's perfect for me. Man, He's, this is just sex lizard and and his robo wife. <laughs> sex lizard and robo wife. So so Edie then. So Edie and Thane. Yeah, there you go. Because Thane has some some thick luscious lips for some sort of sand lizard. <laughs> Uh, you know what I'm talking about, Mass Effect fans, even though Thane is basically like the least of lesser characters. Also, let me just say that Edie and the Sex Lizards definitely opening up for Satan's big ol' house. <laughs> Satan's big ol' house, a band we made up at lunch today. <laughs> <laughs> I think Edie and the Sex Lizards solve mysteries and drive around in a dune buggy, though. Uh, Edie and the Sex Lizards. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Anyway, Guri leaves to go hire them, and that's the end of freaking chapter two for no chapter one yeah. for Shizor. Good, good job. The end of Shizor. Good on you, Shizor. All right. So meanwhile, <sighs> meanwhile, back in Tatooine, Leia is hanging out at a seedy bar. And is it boy, the? She doesn't like it. Is it the seedy bar that we know? The Mos Eisley Cantina? Maybe. Probably. I mean, that's that's kind of the idea that they want you to get from this book, and <laughs> this is. This has to be the most character assassination of Princess Leia I have ever seen. Oh my god. She... I mean, I can understand what's going on, but she really comes off as super space racist. She does. Like, uh, from the very beginning of this chapter, she's like, I'm stuck in a seedy bar, and it's full of unsavory characters from unsavory planets. Uh, it's like, whoa, lady, come. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> take, it, take it down a notch. <laughs> All of these races think it's okay to come over and talk to me, even though I'm a lady and not of their species. Whoa, Leia. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, obviously I go to their planet if I want cheap drugs or tacos. <laughs> or to get my air conditioner refilled. But but, but I'm clearly How here. dare they talk to me, though? <laughs> this is unpleasant. This is most unpleasant on all of our parts. <laughs> also, what is up with this weird dog that's following me around, she says, th- jerking a thumb at poor Chewbacca. Chewbacca just bemusedly walking around like, ah, oh, this bitch. <laughs> So Chewbacca apparently has transferred his life debt, which is yet another one of the expanded universe things, that he wasn't hanging around with, with Han because it was like a, a friendly partnership and because they were friends or anything. It's because Han saved his life, and now he has to be Han's butler forever. <laughs> that's the rules. That's space rules. <laughs> that's space. That's Wookiee space rules. <laughs> he owes a li- so- space, his space judge came out and was like, bang, bang, bang. You have to be his butler. <laughs> Why? I love sitcoms. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Anyway, I'm going to go watch some more Seinfeld. Goodbye! <laughs> so so let's be fair to the, the book here. The movies also always have Leia trading Chewbacca like he's basically like sub-intelligent. Oh, yeah. I mean, except for Han, a lot of people are just kind of like, oh man, looks like you got a real cool dog there. Yeah, that's a weird two-legged dog you found. Why is he wearing that big collar? Oh, <laughs> he thinks he's people. Yeah, like she calls him a walking carpet. She doesn't give him a medal. Let's 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 break this down. What's up with Chewbacca? Chewbacca is an imperial slave who, under imperial slavery, taught himself hyper hyperdrive engineering and piloting. Hangs around with a cool smuggler and is ultimately one of the big heroes of the rebellion. Yes, like where she is a pampered princess who decided to be a badass rebel. He he had it thrust upon him. He is a goddamn hero of the rebellion, and she treats him like a pomeranian. Yes, like a bemused pomeranian. This hang. Oh, I hate this stupid dog. This stupid Wookie. <laughs> Don't even talk. Just just, just sit still. Uh, I gotta watch my ex's dog while he's in carbonite. So, the life debt thing. Like I was saying, it's it's part of the expanded universe. It's, it's, I guess it's dead now. Now they could just be friends. Yeah. Uh, but 
what it means is that because Leia and Han just kissed a few up, like last episode, uh, Chewbacca immediately transferred his life debt to her until she can find Han. Yeah. So he's hanging around her just because of transferred life debt. I guess maybe Wookiees are super conservative and that kiss is like a binding agreement. Yeah, he's like, well, you two are married now. Yeah, for, in the eyes of Wookiee God. <laughs> oh, Wookiee God. Oh, look, look, Wookiee Jesus agrees that you two are totally bound in holy matrimony. I hope you're pregnant. <laughs> Obviously, you should be. <laughs> so so he's hanging around with her because of life debt. They're sitting in a seedy Moss Eisley bar, and she is getting hit on by all kinds of dudes. And every time she gets hit on by random alien dudes, and just... Just picture all the aliens from the cantina. Yeah, just, just werewolf guy, we're, snail head guy. <laughs> Dr. Evazon, Ponda Baba, just coming up and trying their, their luck. He doesn't like you. Do you have a mirror in your pocket? <laughs> <laughs> I like you. He also likes you. Do you have a friend? <laughs> Did it hurt when you fell from hyperspace? <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're all coming up to play their hand. And what's chasing them off is Chewbacca by sitting there with a big-ass bowcaster and looking like a big, scary Wookiee. Yeah, and he's just like, hey, get out. So so eventually, she gets mad about this, and she's like, you know, I can reject suitors, too. I don't need a stupid Wookiee to get rid of people for me. Uh, I can do it. I can do this without my big dog. She And so... A Deveronian, which you would know as the hornhead guy from the cantina. The, the guy one, who looks like Satan. Yeah, the Satan-looking one. Comes walking up, and he's like, hello, I'm going to hit on you. And she's like, nope, please go away. No, I'm going to sit down. Yeah, and he like looks over at Chewbacca, and Chewbacca's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> do, it, do as you will, says Chewbacca. <laughs> I have a point to prove. I'm still salty about not getting a medal. <laughs> go for it. That's what it is. You could have given me a medal. I'm an intelligent character i had a lot to do with destroying that first death star and you made me stand there and roar yeah man it looks like you're in a bind sure wish you had some i don't know metal wearing hero to help you out guess you just have a dog anyway a good day <laughs> who gave that dog a crossbow and two bachelor's degrees <laughs> i have a phd in engineering get the fuck out so the Deveronian's like, let me show you my Galazuvian hollow etchings. They're very stimulating. Which, go fuck yourself, book. Epicanthix was bad enough, but now every... It's just shit from Earth. Let me show you my Yazubian space coffee. <laughs> it's coffee, but with extra space words in front of it. Yeah, that is what I have been noticing a lot. It Just in the first three chapters is anytime they want to do something, they're like, here's an Earth thing, but we called it a whatever's Earth thing. Yes. So... And finally, she goes and pulls out her blaster and puts it on a table, and that's not enough. She turns off the safety and switches it from stun to kill. Yeah. And the Deveronian's like, well, I'll be going. Ah, fine then. And then, I, I guess that's a victory for Chewbacca? And Chewbacca, at this point, just starts laughing. Yes, which I would love to hear. He's just <laughs> like, this, is, this <laughs> is the funniest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, this is hilarious. You are so bad at rejecting. Look look what happens when women don't have men around. <laughs> this, is, this is why you need us. And, and her response is to go, well, point Chewbacca, I'm woman enough to admit it. <laughs> I guess I do need some big, strong dog to protect me. I'm a red pill woman now. <laughs> God damn it. That's what happens. Uh, and then Lando shows up. Poor Lando, uh, reduced from the coolest character in Star Wars to 
I, some dork in an ironic t-shirt in this. Uh, first of all, every time he's described, it's as he is smiling. All he does is smile at everything. Yep. Well, I mean, obviously, because the book makes it clear that we wouldn't be able to see him in this dark tavern without him smiling. Yes. You. <laughs> God damn, that is so true. He's just like, look at that half, that bright moon smile. Is that the Cheshire Cat? Oh, no, sir. It is Lando Calrissian. And then Lando Calrissian is being like, oh, lordy, we needs to make a plan. <laughs> oh, God. It's not quite that bad. No, it's not quite that bad, but geez. Jesus Christ! But book, he get but, your shit together. But he does every single time. He's like, he's like, I'm gonna smile that famous Lando smile. His only real line that Matt, like, basically, he shows up and says, "Hey, Leia, I found Boba Fett. He's hanging around in some Imperial star system, or probably it's third hand information." And she's like, "Why did you make me meet you in Tatooine? I get free food at this bar because of a gambling thing. I'm uh, a gambler. Remember uh, that? Yeah, someone owes me a gambling debt, so it, I get stuff here. I get free food. And she's like, well, do you even eat here? No. Okay, then what? <laughs> was, seems like a waste of gas, uh, but but okay. And, and also, he just he's like, I don't really know most honestly that much. And here comes the famous ha- uh, Orlando Calrissian joke of the book. They say that Mos Eisley is the ca- the armpit of the galaxy. I guess it is possible that there are worse places in the anatomy that we could find ourselves located at. Uh, Lando gets a joke done in ten seconds. Lando does not need to purple up his jokes. He doesn't. He doesn't need this shit. He doesn't need to sound like a nerd at a convention talking to a different nerd at a convention, and both of them are wearing kilts. <laughs> he doesn't need to do that. And I mean, the joke is fine enough if you were just like. Leia complains, God, Moss Eisley is the armpit of the universe, and he just makes a joke out of that yeah. real quick. He didn't need to say the whole thing. He didn't need to do set up punchline. This could have been hilarious. She could have been like, I hate it in this armpit. And he could have been like, well, at least we aren't in the universe's ass. Yes. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> but, but no. But no. He has to do the whole thing. <laughs> yes. Well, well, I guess she sits there and checks her phone or something. He's like, oh, is he still telling that same witty one-liner? Yeah, all right, never mind. Okay, great. Right. He's really dragging this one out. <laughs> this is a shaggy dog one-liner. <laughs> this is going to end with not finding out why all the pink ping-pong balls, isn't it, Lando? <laughs> isn't it? All right, well, it's time to check out what's going on on Glorvinthian Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Prince Shizor... Uh... Again, with the Shizors. Shizor is having a, a wonderful meeting with Darth Vader. Oh, I'm sorry. We, we missed a little step in there in which one of his underlings brings him a diamond. Yeah, we have to get that because it is, again, every time you introduce Shizor, you have to show why he doesn't care about money and why he's the best. Why he's the world's greatest badass. So his his friend, his uh, underling, Marth Davin or something like that, like... <laughs> Like surprisingly close to Vader, it's like it's like Maith Vaden, so <laughs> Dorth Vudor, <laughs> Dors Vadoon. <laughs> but it's not it's not even a Vader guy. He's just like some some criminal who's just part of his dude. It's just a, a weird name. Comes in and he's like, some people want to join your gang, Prince Shizor. Uh, they offer you this really cool, important gem thing. It's like one of the largest of these gems in the universe. And she's always like, very good. We will see if they join. Give me the gem. And then he just throws it on his desk, which leads to, a, I, I want to say, what, an, a short novella about how little he cares about the gem. Yeah, it is <laughs> amazing 
how much he cares about letting you know how much he doesn't care. He's like, oh, and there's this gem. It's worth as much as a small fortune for most people, but I don't even care. If it falls on the floor, maybe it'll, I don't know, go under the couch and I won't even lift it up and look for it. If it gets swept up by my servant droid, well, who cares? The day you found this gem was the most important day of your life, but to Prince Shizor, it was a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, God damn it. It's not like I like the gem or anything, Baka. Baka. <laughs> yeah, he he spends so much time being like, oh, this gem, who even cares? I've got the income of most planets, and that's what I make. Uh, who, who cares if there's a gem here? I... I don't even. I don't even want the gem. I don't even like this. Take the gem away from me. No, no, no. Leave the gem. Leave the gem. No, don't you D- fucking touch no, that no. gem, Marth Vadoon. <laughs> Marth, I swear to God. <laughs> look, look, Borth Doter, you cannot have that gem. Borth, I swear to Wookie Jesus, if you touch that gem, <laughs> we got to write all this down. It's gonna have to become a whole thing. <laughs> Wookie Jesus and Borth Vadoon. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, he goes to meet with Darth Vader, and this is the best scene because it's him playing five-dimensional chess while Vader just sort of gives him orders and is Vader. Yeah. They, <laughs> like, he comes in, he's like, oh, I have these machinations, and I'll, I'll, I'll do this, and then see if he reacts in this way. I will give nothing up save for a certain slight reaction, and then he'll see my reaction, and then he'll think a certain thing, and then he'll do whatever. And meanwhile, Vader walks in, he's like, Hey, bro, uh, I need you to go do some stuff. Anyway, peace, bitch. <laughs> I'm Vader. I don't operate on multiple levels. I operate on the one level. <laughs> I am, lest you forget, Anakin Skywalker, and I don't give a fuck. I don't have time for that because I'm way too deep up my own ass being petulant. Yeah. There are two things in my life I do. Kill bitches and hate sand. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all out of sand. <laughs> There's so much sand in here. <laughs> it's coarse and it gets everywhere. Oh, no, it's in my circuits. <laughs> so... So he's like, when he walks in, she's always like, there are hologram technicians watching my every move, every little micro detail of the way I hold myself and the way I sit in my chair is informing them of my blood pressure and my intake of oxygen. The emperor probably knows how much I breathe. And later Vader will examine all of this in great detail to try to gain advantage. It's like, dude, no, Vader ain't going to spend time talking to no fucking nerd. No, Vader's <laughs> like, be like, hey, hey, technician. <laughs> He's gonna, some technicians go up to be like, "Sir, he was breathing slightly more than usual." Oh, that's interesting. You're not. <laughs> that's, that's that's all that's going to happen. Yeah, no. Some guy's gonna be like, uh, "Sir, <laughs> sir, he was breathing heavy, sir." <laughs> Sir, Jenkins didn't invite me to his sleepover, but he invited everyone else. Sir. Uh, <laughs> look, his name's not Jenkins. It's B1203. <laughs> I'm going to go tell him. Jenkins, that's not your real name. <laughs> Shut up, poop dude. <laughs> Sir. Sorry, call me poop dude. Call me poop dude again. <laughs> I swear to Wookie Jesus. <laughs> so, so, um... So basically, Vader wants him to deliver some stuff to some other place. What's happening is it's very clear that he want, he's building the second Death Star. So he's like, I need a fleet of ships to carry a whole bunch of really important shit to this one location to build the second Death Star. And you're going to do it. And she's always like, all right, and Imperial terms are fine. And yes, because he, he's probably super confused right now because, because I didn't try to haggle on the price or anything. Let the hologram text chew on that. Yes, he'll never figure out what I'm doing. And Vader, meanwhile, has left. <laughs> Vader, meanwhile, does not give a fuck and is already like, hmm, what should I have for lunch today? <laughs> probably one of my... My well-trained underlings. <laughs> that's, 
That's the, Penne a la Herbiata. It's like he's trying to play 3D chess, and meanwhile, Vader is just rage-fucking his dog. <laughs> I'll do this to you. Vader's like, oh, I'm going to kill you, dog, yeah. That's, that's all that's, it doesn't make sense. No. He's ascribing his own way of thinking to Darth Vader, who, like we said earlier, pretty much only has two gears. Yeah, I mean, he, he cannot understand that anyone would come to power without being, like... The super craziest, okay. smartest. I'm like Sherlock Holmes with sex pheromones. Yeah, that doesn't cross his mind. No, Vader came to power by being just a huge douche every opportunity. Yeah, and it worked. Vader came to power by being big in the force and being the right idiot in the right place at the right time. That's it. He's a useful, scary force idiot, <laughs> and he he is basically Lenny of mice and men with force powers. And the the Emperor's like, sweet, I. I could use a big dumb idiot to kill people. Well, the for fun me. thing is that all the shit about Vader being like the world's greatest mastermind has been rendered non-canon. Yeah. So, so now all we have left is the movies where he he yells no and stomps around and kills all of his highly trained generals. Oh yeah, he's like, what are you, someone who's been in this navy for like thirty years and you're crazy well trained and have a ton of knowledge about tactics and stuff? Well, you failed once, Rick. <laughs> That's. So anyway, Vader just leaves, and then Shizor gets up to leave. But we before we can talk about where Shizor goes, because that's chapter three, first, <laughs> first we have to talk about what Luke's up to. Luke is making a lightsaber crystal. <laughs> Luke is, is making some flavor crystals in his Easy Bake Oven. So Luke has a little pressure cooker, and it's cooking up kyber crystals. Yep. He's, <laughs> make, he's making himself a little lightsaber gem. Apparently, this is just a thing you can do. Yeah, apparently, instead of having to pull them out of like the, the throats of dragons or, or from the deepest caves of secret planets or whatever, you can just make them on a waffle iron if you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you've got a George Foreman, you can make yourself some, some kyber crystals. Look, do you have some silicates and a panini? press you can go to town on a lightsaber crystal it is not a big deal look <laughs> kyber crystals are on the secret menu at panera bread <laughs> so so he's sitting there looking at a little machine that is not beeping that his rice is ready or his lightsaber crystal is done <laughs> and he is having yet another introspective Ooh, i hate that vader but, uh, but i but i can't let the dark side gets me <laughs> moment <laughs> why why has Luke Skywalker become an old prospector? He's Yosemite oh, Sam now. Get, get that old Vader. Oh, gets that rabbit. Darth Vader. <laughs> oh, can't let that dark side get me. So he's he's flipping through his little leather-bound journal of lightsaber construction instructions and being mean to himself because it's taken him almost a month to make this lightsaber, but it says that expert Jedi can get it done in a couple of days. Oh, no. So... He'll so, never be an expert Jedi. And then he's looking around Obi-Wan's house, which we learned some fun things about Obi-Wan's house during this chapter. Sex dungeon. Uh, first of all, we learned that it is not what it looks like, which is a cave. It is the Spanish tile via of Star Wars, or of Tatooine anyway, uh. because it's made like every other house in Tatooine by crushing up rocks and then using a slurry made of crushed up rocks, which I guess concrete isn't a space thing. I guess. They, they couldn't call it Alderanian crush rocks or something. No, it's, it's Tatooinean synth, synth stone. Crete. Yeah, synthcrete. And then they spray it over a shell to make it look like it's a natural cave that you can live in. So he doesn't live in a cool cave. He lives in a fake cave, just like everyone else on that street. Yeah. That's what that's what we learn here. He's well, living, I mean, he has to because he's part of the HOA. And, yeah, he's a member of the HOA. He lives in a modest split level. He's gotten in trouble for that curtain color like three times. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, that modest volume of instructions about lightsabers isn't in our approved list of colors. I, I like to imagine that it's just like some Jawa coming along for the ride on this. He's just like, dee dee. <laughs> 
you can't own that Jawa, sir. <laughs> you have to own a pygmy or dwarf Jawa at best. And it has, <laughs> it has to be an inside Jawa. <laughs> oh, but this is an outside Jawa. He's not housebroken at all. <laughs> so, so that's a fun thing to learn about Obi-Wan's house from this book. And then he gets the force sense that Leia is approaching. Yeah, he just gets like the sense that people are coming. He's like, oh. I've got visitors coming. Mm. That's what the force is for. He also, to let me know when people are coming. We, we get over. another half page or so of him remembering how he felt Leia that one time on Cloud City. He's like, I can definitely sense Leia's coming. Ooh, I should I should switch this machine from lightsaber crystal to tiny snacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I guess it's the same temperature of cooking kyber crystals as pizza pockets so <laughs> you know what that kyber crystal won't get ruined if i put in my special asian meatball recipe <laughs> just i'll just throw that in there with it <laughs> i have to put in these parzanian pizza rolls <laughs> i'm gonna make some parmesan crisps on the stovetop while i wait for the land speeder to arrive he also lists everyone who might be coming to visit him He's i've like, got these snacks from the planet totino <laughs> He's like, who might be coming to visit me? Why, it could be Leia or Chewbacca, that weird dog. Or (laughs) I don't know how he'd be able to drive a car. Or Lando. I don't know how he'd be able to drive a car. (laughs) Or perhaps C-3PO. Or R2-D2 could be visiting me. But no one else would be visiting me because Obi-Wan is dead and Han Solo is frozen and I don't know anyone else. (laughs) I need to have this internal list of everyone I know. He's on Tatooine. It could be one of his friends from Tashi Station or something. Yeah, I mean, whatever happened to the dudes that he was like, I want to go hang out with my friends, and I used to... Well, they like, joined the Rebellion. They're all flying X-Wings and shit now. All of them. Every last one well, of them. Well, most of them. Well, the, the ones who didn't aren't even in the movie. Like, there's a couple characters that they actually filmed a scene of him at Tashi Station meeting with people, and they never they never used it. So there's these characters that were his friends at Tashi that are not in the movie. Yeah. So I want to know, like, did he ever go back and be like, What's up, bitches? I'm a Jedi now. <laughs> Suck a dick, Bill. Shows up at that 10-year Tatooine high school reunion. <laughs> Some guy's like, oh, I run a nice cantina here in Mos Eisley. And he's like, oh, is that so? I'm the last fucking Jedi. <laughs> nice moisture form, Tad. Also, nice beer belly. <laughs> oh, I actually think I'm doing fairly well for myself by Tatooine standards. Suck it, Tad. <laughs> I've got this metal. <laughs> 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 Check out my cool dog. <laughs> He's got this rad dog. He doesn't have a medal. <laughs> Poor Chewie. So he goes back to Tatooine, but he doesn't check in with like Biggs Darklighter and the bros. <laughs> I wonder, also I wonder, a great band. <laughs> do you think he might have, when he got back to Tatooine, the first thing he did was go off and get those fucking power converters? Yeah. He's like, finally, I've been needing these for weeks. Oh, no, we needed to have a tender scene where he lays some power converters at, at the grave of his Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen. <laughs> Here's the power converters you guys wouldn't let me get. Now I'm going to pee on you. Yeah. <laughs> make a l- make a little bumper sticker for my car. It's me peeing on things. I can finally charge my iPhone. Stupid lightning connectors. <laughs> so, anyway, he senses that they're coming, and that's the end of all of their character arcs, but we have one more little story. Just one. About Shizor. Oh, Shizor. Again, why Why is Shizor the main character of this? God damn. He I is guess the worst. I guess it's because he's the... Oh, you know what? We didn't even mention that Ho- That uh, Lando, during his one little uh, paragraph of discussion, mentioned the other new character we get to meet in this book, Dash Rendar. Yeah, who has not shown up. We will but... not... Yeah, we'll, we'll see him in future chapters, but so far we haven't met the Dash. 
No, no. Or n- neither have we met Mrs. Dash. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, uh, so we get one more little Shizor story where he gets to walk home surrounded by his the world's coolest bodyguards, and he is walking on secret Imperial-only super sidewalks. And sunshine. <laughs> yeah, he's walking on sunshine. Yeah. So he's he's going down some corridor that only cool Imperial dudes are allowed to go down, surrounded by four bodyguards who are described as live, tan, muscular, badasses from various races, all of whom speak six languages and know 14 martial arts. But of course, it is also really important that he mentions that he's way cooler than all of them. Yes, none of them compare to Shizor. Yeah, I could beat all of them, but I need to keep up appearances. Yes. So, when all of a sudden, a huge, crazy muscle dude comes firing around from a corner, kills one of the bodyguards, and then charges Shizor. Yeah. Uh, this muscle dude is yelling incoherently about how Shizor killed his dad, and Shizor's like, stand aside, he is mine. Let me kill this guy. I know the entire point of having bodyguards was to keep up the appearance that I'm not the world's biggest badass, which, by the way, I am, yes. because I'm reptilian and not mammalian. Oh, <laughs> it's so much better. <laughs> But he's like, oh, never mind. I'm just going to fuck this guy on, up on camera anyway. I'm just going to go ahead and kill this guy myself because whatever. That's, that's the whole thing with Shizor. He's described as rigorously controlled, but every scene of him is him allowing things he would not allow to happen. Oh, yeah. There's the, uh, I mean, the scene where he His has broken the, fucking chair. Well, he has the traitor that he needs to sniff out. Yes, which is going to come up in the next set of chapters. But yeah. but uh, he needs to sniff out an evil traitor. Uh, and, but he's like, I'll allow him in here, even though I know he's a traitor. I'll fight this guy, even though it should, I should let my bodyguards fight him. I'll smile real big in this room, even though I know I should maintain a bigger, rigorous mask of control. Yeah, He's he, like the world's worst bottom. <laughs> ah, that's what it is. He's, he's, a, he's a bratty bottom, and he needs a really controlling top to get him under control. That's that's Vader. <laughs> that's Vader. <laughs> the world's greatest power top. <laughs> well, that, I think I think you've heard it here first. Shizor the bratty bottom needs Vader, the world's greatest power top. The galaxy's greatest. <laughs> anyway, he beats up this guy, this random uh, would-be assassin dude who's like yelling about how. Uh, his father killed himself because Shizor drove him out of business. Yeah, Shizor just, like, screwed him because his dad screwed up some delivery or something. Yes. And then Ve- Shizor's like, well, no, I believe he killed himself. And then he grabs the dude by the neck after doing some wicked cool martial arts at him for a while. <laughs> he grabs the dude by the neck, and again, he does a Lando moment where he's like, they say that to contend with Shizor is to fail. Any reasonable man would judge attacking Shizor as suicide. You have attacked me, and therefore you have committed suicide. A suicide by Shizor. I am Shizor, a reptile man, and a reptile <laughs> man is much cooler than a than a stupid mammal like yourself. Neck snap. Yeah. Way way to overplay. Just just overreading it. It's just so much. By the time he's done with the line, the guy's like, "Please just just snap oh, my I'm neck. So just bored. snap my neck." I killed myself. Thank you. <laughs> no, I got it. I got I got this. <laughs> Halfway through, he just shoots himself in the head. He's like, "I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm so bored." <laughs> and we we pan back from the scene to reveal that the emperor and Vader are indeed watching this on camera. And wouldn't you know it, the assassin was let in there by Vader. That scamp. <laughs> That's basically Palpatine's response. He's like, oh, you scamp. Oh, yeah, I sure hope you didn't let him in here, Vader. He, <laughs> uh, sa- he no. says before, before displaying the world's greatest palpa boner for, uh, for Shizor again, because <laughs> no character could get through with meeting Shizor without being like, oh, that guy. 
Ooh. Yeah, the only one who does is Vader. Vader gets to meet with him and be like, hey, I don't I don't give a fuck about anything. Bye. I, I assume it's because he has a breath mask that filters out all the, the, the stink cloud of, of Shizor's sex pheromones, which apparently smell exactly like dick thrusts and good parenting ability. <laughs> uh, he's just walking around forever in a thin green cloud that smells like George Clooney's well-manicured taint. <laughs> no, he's he's got pheromones that remind you of just a, a well-cut lawn and big muscles. <laughs> That's what it is. He smells like arms you could just get lost in forever. <laughs> but he anyway, smells like wide hips. So Shizor's like, or Palpatine's like, oh, look at how capable he is at fighting. What a taut and lithe young man. Ooh, you know, he's over 100, but he only looks like he's 30. Oh, oh my. Oh my. The you perfect know, twink. Oh, goodness. You'd think his dick would be slimy upon looking at it, but I actually imagine it's soft and dry, like a moleskin journal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so he's like Vader. I hope you didn't let him in there to kill that to, to kill uh, Shizor. I need Shizor alive, alive and lubricated. <laughs> also, that would have been stupid because Shizor's so competent and sexy. There's no way this one guy could have stopped him. <laughs> Vader's like, hmm. We will see. I will have him killed by hook or by crook. Oh, you know what we forgot to mention is that we also get Va Shizor's reason for why he hates Vader so bad. Because uh, he wants to be the number two guy in the not, galaxy? It's not just that. Remember the other one? It's not enough for him to just be a superpower hungry. He also needs a personal connection to Darth Vader. Darth Vader set up a, a like a science base on the Falene home planet, oh, yeah. which resulted in the death of 200,000 Falene, including uh, Shizor's family. Shizor was already off being the world's greatest sex badass because he's like over 100 years old. But uh, he got mad about it, erased his own family from the records, killed all the Imperials involved, and will now kill uh, Vader for being so mean as to kill his family. Yeah. So that's, it wasn't enough. Like, in this giant, ultimate, infinite universe, he has to have already run in with Vader in the past. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I have to assume that that's going to be the big thing in these books going forward, is that there's no one that doesn't know someone in these books that's like, Ah, hi, I'm some random dude you've never heard of. Also, I'm best friends with Lando. And you're like, what? Yeah, that's that's pretty much true. Almost everyone's going to know everyone else. You're going to get the impression that there are about 15 people in the universe and all of them are main characters. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, that's the end of the first three chapters, is, is uh, Vader getting admonished for sending in an assassin to try to kill Shizor right there on camera. <laughs> right there. Right there. Looking all hot and sexy when he does it. Ooh, look at that. Look at him. <laughs> look at him getting them kicks in. Oh, man. It strikes me that uh, when when Leia was complaining that all the ugly aliens were hanging around in the cantina, it must have just meant there were no Faline in there. Oh, of course. If, if there were Faline, she'd have been like, mm. oh, yeah. I'm so happy in here. It smells like chest hair with maple syrup on it. <laughs> <laughs> what, he's Canadian now? Yeah, he's part Canadian. Shizor's <laughs> a Canadian name. That's the only way to pronounce it. That's a Canadian X. Yeah, the Canadian X. Yeah, that's why they had to use the talking chair, because they couldn't describe the chair as having come from, like, Space Canada or something. <laughs> <laughs> Space Canada. <laughs> Damn, I think we're done. That's the first three chapters. Yeah, I think I think so. That is That about wraps her up, so we will... Of course, be back with the next few chapters in this book. The next thrilling adventure of the main characters of Star Wars in Shadows of the Empire. In Shizor so muscly. <laughs> yeah, in the great Shizor race. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Empire called. <laughs> so join us next week on Shizor High.
high above me. She's or lovely. That's episode two. She's or lovely. <laughs> <laughs> So that's the end of the very first episode of Expounded Universe. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us, as always, at SystemMasteryPodcast.com. You can check out our other shows there, System Mastery, Movie Mastery, all the various things we do. If you like what you're listening to, you can always support us at Patreon, Patreon.com slash System Mastery. If you give us a dollar, you unlock our bonus content. Will there be Star Wars-themed bonus content? I don't know, maybe. Uh, maybe we'll put that at the $2 level. Finally have a reason to put up a new thing. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll see you in two weeks with more Expounded Universe.